Leviticus 15 podcast, where you'll receive Bible study tools and tips in just 15 minutes. Hey there, this is Katie Orr. I'm here with my husband, Chris, and you're listening to... Hey guys. (laughs) And you're listening to episode four of the Focus 15 podcast. So today we're going to answer the question, what do I need to know about the gospel of Matthew. And this is going to start a, a, a different type of question that we'll be a- answering that will go specifically through books of the Bible and, and getting to the point of what is it that I need to know before I start studying that's going to make the biggest impact. So my husband, Chris, has been through seminary twice now. He's about to graduate with his doctorate of ministry at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And so he's going to be answering most of these questions. And I'm really looking forward to what he can teach us. So, Chris, what do we need to know about the Gospel of Matthew? Well, um, I think anytime you're talking about studying a book of the Bible, one of the things you want to know is uh, things like, who's the author? What is the audience that that author is writing to? And what is the aim that that um, author is trying to uh, accomplish? So, who wrote it? Uh, When did they write it? And for what reason did they write it? Those are three questions that you can ask and try to find the answers to of any book of the Bible. So that's not exclusive to Matthew, Mm -hmm. but that is something that you want to answer for all the books of the Bible. So if you didn't catch that, that was three A's. The author, the audience, and the aim, or the reason why they were writing it. That's right. So let's just go through those. The author, the audience, and the aim for Matthew. So as the name of the book or the gospel would indicate, Matthew is the one who wrote it. Matthew was a disciple of Jesus, uh, an apostle of Jesus. So he was an eyewitness of the things that Jesus was doing and was saying. And uh, as such, he had the um, the authority to, to write these things down. And the early church recognized the truthfulness of the things that he wrote. Um, and, and so the, uh, the author is Matthew the apostle. Okay, let's back up a second though. What is a gospel? Someone's never heard that word, or maybe they've heard it or that word, and they're not exactly sure what people mean by the gospel of Matthew. Okay, so when you're writing this down, uh, gospel means good news. But like I said, when you're writing it down, if you use a small g, that means the good news of salvation. If you use a capital G, it's referring to an actual book of the Bible. So the four gospels... Uh, I didn't realize that, the difference yeah. in the... In the uh, capitalization. Well, I just learned it recently. So, oh. well, I get it wrong all the time on my manuscripts. They're always correcting it. And I don't. That's probably why, because yeah. I, I don't so know which way to G, use it. Capital G indicates book. Small G is the, the title. Yeah, is okay. the actual good news of Jesus. So, um, yeah. So the gospel uh, being good news in terms of a uh, a biography or a narrative about Jesus' life is uh, is is an account written by somebody to really explain who Jesus was and, and what he was all about. So mm-hmm. we have four of those in the New Testament, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and each of those is considered a gospel. Um, it's a it's essentially a narrative, a biography of Jesus' life. Mm-hmm. So the four gospels are all telling the story from a firsthand perspective. Well, not necessarily. Okay. Matthew's firsthand. That's what we're, that's what yeah, we're Matthew's firsthand, John's firsthand, Mark mm-hmm. and Luke are not. They are compiling and researching uh, but yeah, we'll get into those later. But Matthew yeah. is a first first hand account. Okay. So what else do we need to know about the okay, Gospel so, of Matthew? <laughs> yeah, so the audience. That's the next A. Okay. Uh, Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. So he starts out in chapter 1 
giving a genealogy of Jesus' family. So he goes all the way back to Abraham, and he, he starts talking about who Abraham's son was. And they, they follow that family line all the way through. And if you're not familiar with Jewish history, that genealogy would be really strange to you. So Jesus is, is coming and he's fulfilling things that make sense in a Jewish context, but would need to be explained uh, to a non-Jewish audience or to, a, to an audience that wasn't familiar with the Old Testament. So Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience um, and he's highlighting things that the Jewish audience would be expecting, things about the Messiah that they would... Uh, questions about the Messiah that they would want to have answered. So that's his audience. So was Matthew Jewish? Yes, he was. He okay. was a he was a Jewish uh, man who was a tax collector. So he was a uh, uh, he, he was a Roman official. Uh, he was hired by the Roman government. So in some ways, he started out life as far as when we meet him in the Bible, as kind of like a turncoat, kind of like a. Uh, uh, he, he had turned on his own people to work for the oppressive Roman government. Um, so not exactly the type of guy that you would expect to be uh, writing uh, what would turn out to be scripture. But uh, nonetheless, it's good news for us because God can use anybody mm-hmm. regardless where he came from. But yes, he, Matthew was Jewish. He worked for the Romans uh, until Jesus called him as an apostle. Okay, so you've used the word Messiah also. Like, what would that mean to the Jewish culture? So they were waiting for the Messiah to come to set them free from the bondage to sin. Even in the very first pages of the Bible, we see God promising to send a son of Adam who would come and crush the head of the serpent. And so uh, Jesus is that son of Adam. So he is the Messiah that was promised even from Genesis 3 and who had been talked about all throughout the Old Testament He's the one who's coming to set God's people free, and a Jewish audience would know to be looking for the Messiah, and uh, would would know that there's certain things that need to be true about this Jesus if we want to believe that he is, in fact, the Messiah. And so, so Matthew sets out to prove that point. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have another question, and I think it'll lead us right into the aim, but when was this written? This was, I mean, it has the, the accounts of Jesus' death, so we know at least that it was after... Jesus's death. So when was it written? Yeah, so it depends on what kind of uh, date you, I mean, the, the date you go with would depend on who you believe is uh, is true in terms of which scholars. Uh, but I say the bottom line is it hap- we know it happens after Jesus' death, and uh, we're pretty sure it happens before the fall of Rome, which happened in uh, 70 AD. Most scholars that I have, uh, have researched put it at the end of the 50s or the beginning of the 60s. So it's somewhere between uh, 20, 30 years after uh, Jesus' death. So Matthew's probably getting pretty old at this point. Yeah, he's probably a senior. He's probably getting the senior discount at the Denny's (laughs) Grand Slam breakfast. So, and I think that's important, you know, to, to know when are they writing it and how old they were, you know, Paul's written a lot in the Bible, but some of it he wrote when he was younger and some was, you know, towards the end of his life. And I think just like any one of us, like my my boss, Kathy, has said before, don't don't listen to anything that I said before I was 30, you know? <laughs> like, and I think about that, I'm like, yes, yes. Um, just as I get older, I, there's a lot of things that I've said in the past that I'm thinking, oh, don't listen to that. Don't read that. Don't, that, I was foolish and I didn't realize it, so... There's wisdom with age, for sure. 
Well, one of the things that's interesting about the way that Matthew organizes the material in the book is that he he, he talks about um, Jesus' life and things about his birth. So Matthew and Luke are, are the two that give us the the birth stories of Jesus. In fact, at Christmas services, you'll hear those those two uh, books quoted uh, more than more than you would Luke, or, excuse me, more, more than you would Mark or John. Um, so, so he goes from Jesus' birth uh, all the way to Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, and Jesus, in the material in Matthew, he, he he's talking and he's giving these speeches or he's, he's giving these discourses. And Matthew uses these five particular discourses and he intersperses them within the the narrative account or the or the storyline of Jesus' life. And so Matthew, it's almost like he ping-pongs back and forth between this is what Jesus said and this is what Jesus did. So kind of, uh, here, here's the, the Sermon on the Mount. So if you've, ever, if you've ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount, that is treated most broadly in Matthew. So Matthew devotes three whole chapters to the Sermon on the Mount where um, the other authors don't really uh, devote that much time to it. So Matthew's he, he's recording a lot of the words of Jesus and then some of the actions of Jesus, and he, he's kind of setting them up as a, almost like a, if you're watching a, a movie or a TV show, and it's kind of not a flashback, but just two different ways of telling the same story. It's a, it's a literary device that, that Matthew uses that I think will help you as you're reading through the book to know, okay, here's Jesus talking, and it's part of a, part of a larger speech, and then Matthew's going to sum up those words and then move into the to the move back into the story. So just something to look for as you're as you're reading through the the discourse versus the narrative. Hmm. So the discourse is where he's summarizing what Jesus said or taught. Well, he he's hopefully he's not just summarizing. Hopefully he's he's recounting. This is what Jesus mm-hmm. says, and then he he'll give like a summary statement. Um, usually he finishes that by saying. And Jesus finished those things, saying, I think actually in all five discourses, Matthew uh, you, says that phrase, and Jesus, after Jesus had finished saying these things, and to move back into the narrative. So the narrative part is, like, what, what part is Sermon on the Mount? Are you saying this? that's discourse? discourse. Okay, that's yeah, discourse. That's Jesus, that's Jesus that's Jesus discourse about the Christian life. Okay. And then after that, we move back into the narrative, back, move back into the storyline. So Jesus went here and Jesus went there exactly. and the disciples did this and they did that. And yeah. then there's another discourse mm-hmm. where Jesus is teaching. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. What else do we need to know about Matthew? So Matthew contains the, the not only the Sermon on the Mount, but it also contains the Great Commission, which is one of the most uh, core teachings, I believe, for the New Testament church, um, not only in the first century, but in the 21st century as well, so we get our marching orders from Jesus in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen to twenty. Uh, Jesus tells us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, uh, teaching them to observe uh, all that I've commanded, um, or all that he, all that Jesus commanded. And as we baptize, I probably back up because there's probably people already who have corrected me by saying I didn't say baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So that's in there too. But, so, Jesus gives us the marching orders for the church in the Great Commission, that we are to be making disciples, that we are to be going to all the nations. And so, that's a, uh, a core teaching of, the, uh, of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew thought so much about 
that statement that he basically decided, I'm going to end the story here. So he starts out by proving the point that Jesus is the Messiah we've been waiting for by talking about Jesus being in the family of Abraham and specifically being of the family of David and being the one who would be the king who's on the throne of David. And he goes all the way through the story, through Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and then right before, uh, or right after the, the resurrection, uh, Matthew records that great commission uh, statement, and uh, and he, he basically is ending his gospel on a high note, saying, this is our marching orders, now let's go out and do it. Well, and for those of us who've grown up in the church, we're probably very familiar with the Great Commission, but it's interesting when we think about it through the lens of the original audience from a Jewish perspective who, you know, all their life and all generations and generations, it's been be set apart and and almost, you know, bring up your children, but kind of stay within, you know, this message stays within the Jews. And all of a sudden it's like, no, go everywhere, you know. Go to all the world. I mean, am I just picking, am I reading into that? or is No, that... there's something to that because in the Old Testament, the model for how people were going to know that, that Yahweh was the one true God was very much a come and see model. So come and see that Israel is holy, that Israel can be the ones that are faithful to their God. Come and see the, the temple that is in Israel because that's where the presence of God really is. And in the New Testament, the, the mission... Uh, really shifts from come and shift. see yeah. to now go, go and, and tell. tell. Mm-hmm. So we pair the Great Commission with what Jesus says right before he ascends that Luke records in Acts 1.8 where uh, he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, mm-hmm. Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Um, and so we, we pair those two together that, that we can't just stay uh, you know, stationary. We have to go into all the world. And if you don't know what all the world means, that means... Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So basically, mm-hmm. there's nowhere on planet Earth where where Jesus is saying, "Yeah, don't go there." It's mm-hmm. go everywhere. Go to all the nations. Go, go, go to the ends of the mm-hmm. earth. Very cool. Anything else we need to know about Matthew? Probably, but we're up against the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. We'll be back with another episode next week for uh, with the Focus Fifteen podcast. Thanks for listening in. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or on Stitcher or. Leave a comment, leave a review, uh, send us your questions, and we'd love to answer them. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed these tips, share it with a friend. To learn more about Chris and Katie and the Focused 15 ministry, go to Focused15.com. Have a great week.